Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. And while the Steelers season is over, the NFL playoffs in the divisional round will continue on. And betonline.ag is the place to go if you want to place any kind of online wager. I love it. We always got a bet. We got Manscaped as well, too, right? Yes, yes. So let's, first of all, head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. And Ike, you're right. Our other presenting sponsor are the folks over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. God love it. So I get a bet online, plus I get to keep my hygiene up with Manscaped and company. Man, we good for 2021. And hygiene's been so important this year, too. So get 20% off in free shipping with the code STEELERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code STEELERS. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. Ike, today's podcast recording on Monday morning after the Steelers' loss in the AFC wildcard round to the Cleveland Browns. Rough morning for me, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to get your first takeaway from last night's game. Cleveland just wanted it more. If for some reason, it looked like Cleveland understood what a playoff game, high shit field looked like, other than Pittsburgh. They out hit them, they outplayed them, and they were more physical. And when you got Baker Mayfield not making any mistakes, plus you were spotted a couple of points, but you can't help off the first play of the game. You know, some fumble exchange between Pouncey and Big Ben. Then after the, on the next series, Big Ben throw an interception, trying to look for the running back coming out of the backfield. So they got spotted 14. But at the same time, man, just from the door, okay, we get spotted 14. And I'm talking as I'm Cleveland. We scored a touchdown on defense off of the fumble exchange snap. That was the first play. Pittsburgh off the big bit off a of big Ben interception. The defense still had to come out on the field. And what I saw from the defense is I saw a lot of catching. I didn't see nobody attacking. And when you're on the defense and you catching, it's not going to be a good day. For some reason, they, they picked the wrong day to catch blocks and to catch running backs and get ran over. And that's what happened to them. We talked about this throughout the course of the week. And that's Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt, Tyson and Holyfield. And them two came to play. <laughs> them two came to play last night, but at the same time, just as a defender, we can't control what the offense do, but we can control what we do and how we look on tape. And Pittsburgh still his last defense. They did too much catching. They looked it soft. And I hope these guys man up and tell themselves, first snap, we didn't control the line of scrimmage. And from the linebacker, the secondary back on, we did a lot of catching. We did no attacking. One of the matchups I was watching last night, Ike, was the interior linemen. So I thought that Cameron Hayward, a second-team All-Pro player, might have a field day considering that the Browns started Mike Dunn at left guard. He was filling in for Joel Batonio, the Browns' Pro Bowl left guard. 
But J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, from an interior standpoint, controlled the line of scrimmage. Then at some point in the game, Jack Conklin goes down. He's an all-pro right tackle for the Browns. And I'm like, all right, now T.J. Watt, it's his time to cook. This is the guy who's probably going to be defensive player of the year. And he just never had any kind of impact on the game that you would expect from a guy who's played at that level this season. This is a guy who led the league in sacks, a guy who led the league in tackles for a loss. I hate to break it all down into one game, but the argument for Aaron Donald to win defensive player of the year, even though his statistical output isn't as high as TJ Watt has to be, you see what Aaron Donald does in a playoff game, getting two sacks, even though he got hurt in the Rams game against the Seahawks, but he had an impact upon that game. And I'm looking around and I'm like, TJ Watt's got to make a play, especially considering that the Browns are down to their fourth string offensive tackle because Chris Hubbard, the guy who would normally fill in for the Browns is out with the season ending injury. They put in Kendall lamb. And for whatever reason, the Browns did an excellent job on TJ Watt and company up front. The Browns did not allow a sack in last night's game. Marga, I don't, I don't know if you was paying attention because this is something I really didn't know. And before the game, they was putting up, you know how they put up the pro football focus rankings on the guys. The Cleveland Browns was like top 20 on the offensive line. They had a six, they had a seven. I think they had like a, a 15th and like a 20th. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, these boys really got a nice old line. And that's truly how you want to start your franchise, whether it's offensive line and defensive line. But they did a hell of a job. They established a line of scrimmage. I don't care if it was TJ, JJ, or whatever wide it was, or, or Aaron Donald. I don't care who you had in that defensive line last night. Them boys established the line of scrimmage. Them boys talking about the Cleveland Browns offensive line from the first play, you know? So, I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. And whether you're trying to get it on the defense or offensive line, you want to establish this is how the game is going to be for the next 60 minutes. And that's exactly what the Cleveland Browns did last night. And if you want to talk about from a physicality standpoint, Ike, go back and watch the play of Kareem Hunt's second touchdown. The Browns are up 21 to nothing and he goes in to score. And then after the extra point, they go up 28 to nothing. And JC Treader, the Browns center is pulling on the play as Hunt is running to the left. He absolutely smoked a Steelers defender. I'm not sure which one it was on the replay that I saw, but go back and watch that play. And you could just tell from that standpoint, the physicality of what the Browns offensive line was doing up front. And that was a key difference in last night's game. I said all the time, man, the, the Browns personality for me, is the two, it's the two running backs between Chubbs and Hunt and Chubbs, Chubbs started off with some nice games, but I think for the first two carries, Kareem Hunt had two carries and two touchdowns. That's how he started off the game. But off of his two touchdowns, he had a few guys that he was bringing in a touchdown in the end zone with him from the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was just the mentality. So it was frustrating for me to watch. One, two, I was down bad, meaning, you know, I took a Sudafed <laughs> and I took a Zyrtex because my allergies was kicking in. So you already know how I was feeling last night. But I just saw from the get-go, you know, they, they they felt like they felt like they were Cleveland felt like they were supposed to be there. Cleveland felt like they were supposed to win. Cleveland felt like they were the more physical team. And 
to have a Denzel Ward out. So your two star corners, they out. You got folk, your head coach is at the crib in his basement watching the game, phone off. And you got three other coaches on that staff sitting because of the COVID-19 at home. And to come into Pittsburgh and just dominate. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> Pittsburgh got a good old, fat, good old fashioned ass whooping last night. And they, they tried, they tried, they tried to come back, but it, it was, it was too late. Too many points was putting up, too many points was put up by the Cleveland Browns for Pittsburgh to come back. And that's when, and that's when I say, that's when your defense got to step up. That's when your defense, that's when you want to be dominant on defense. But put up 40-something points in the playoff game, I know as a Pittsburgh still, it got to hurt you. And what I was, what I was trying to reminisce was when it was a, a Deuce Staley, when it was a Jerome Bettis, when it was a, a Joey Porter, when it was a James Ferrier, when it was a, when it came my time, when it was a Ike Taylor, and we had to give these speeches before we walked out that tunnel, man, messing up and not playing physical had to hurt not only you, but it had to hurt the other 10 guys who you was playing with. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not playing for myself. I'm playing for y'all. So Coach LeBeau used to always say, man, the tape is your resume. What you put on tape is you. That's you. And to play, and to not play physical on the defensive side, to not play physical. If that shit don't hurt you, man, you in the game for a wrong reason. Take the black and gold off. If you want to be a finesse player, man, go ahead on be a finesse player, but take the black and gold off. Because when you wear that black and gold as a Pittsburgh Steeler, it ain't nothing but smacking somebody in the face. It ain't nothing but taking somebody's soul. It ain't nothing but catching bodies. That's what it is when you play defense. That's what that's all I know. That's all I've known. Because if you look at the 70 Steelers, that's all they did. If you look at the 90 Steelers, that's all they did. In the early 2000s, when I was when I got drafted, that's all we did. You know, we, we, we played plenty of teams, plenty of teams with great athletes when we was just okay. But it's, it's one thing we was going to bring to the table, the big boy pass. Every time you played us, you knew you had to bring the big boy pass. You had to. You just had to. That was our motto. We felt good when we saw other teams and other coaches from other teams say, it's still as weak. It's going to be a physical week. You got to bring your big boy pass. And they know we're going to out-scheme them. We're going to out-game them. I feel like we have better players at this position. It was nah, man. <laughs> we know when we play in Pittsburgh, it's like playing two games in one. Everything going to hurt. So I'm just upset more off of the defense on the physicality part on what they displayed last night. You know, that that ain't... That ain't what you want to put on tape, man. That ain't that ain't that ain't what you that that ain't what you want to put on tape. It's too much for me, man. I, I'm, hopefully, everybody care, which I don't. But you know, it's it's too much. It's way it's it's way. It's football something you really want. I don't care about other teams. I'm talking about as a Pittsburgh Steelers. Football's got to be all you want to do, from my standpoint. And this is just personal, in my opinion. When we took losses, and this is when Twitter was, when we really wasn't into Instagram because Instagram really wasn't popular when I played. It was Twitter. 
man, we stayed our butt off of Twitter until we won again. It won't no taking no picture. It won't no coming on Twitter then, then, <laughs> then, then, then. <laughs> I feel like it's more of an eye when we get to doing that, and I think it's I think it's too much of that. Coming from the Steelers, now I don't care about no other team. I'm just talking about from a Pittsburgh Steelers standpoint. Man, when you lose, man, you can't find when I, when I lost, and when we lost, you couldn't find us on social media. Now I see these boys taking L's. I see a post right out of the game, goddamn five minutes. I'm, I'm like, man, how five minutes these boys get to their phone and just post? Off of taking the L. Off of taking the loss. So really, it, it don't hurt. You ain't tripping. That's how I look at it. It don't hurt you. You ain't tripping. But what they displayed last night, Mark, on the defense side, they ain't really. Big Ben put them in the hole. And the offense put them in the hole. But as a defender, as a defender, I was always taught as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Bro, we about to get your ass up out this hole. Okay, okay we, we 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 down seven, but we down 14. But we about, to, we, we about to get y'all out the hole. I didn't see none of that last night. Ike, let me hop in here. It wasn't just all of the players and coaches that were up for Cleveland, which I thought you did a nice job of explaining. It was also all of the players that the Steelers got back last night that didn't play in week 17. So coming into this game, it was like the Steelers could keep the week 17 game within two points. And that was despite the fact that last night you had big Ben Roethlisberger back, Marquise Pouncey back, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Terrell Edmonds, Chris Boswell, Eric Ebron, Robert Splain. Every single one of those players didn't play in week 17 and they played last night. So when you, when there's a combination of that and the fact that the Browns had so many coaches and players out, Browns didn't practice for the vast majority of last week either. I was just like, Steelers easily will cover the six. Easily cover the six-point favorites because of all of the all-pro players that you're getting back and for whatever reason, from the get-go, on the very first play with Pouncey's snap, it was just like, the Steelers couldn't have had a worse start and the Browns couldn't have had a better start. I think it might have been the best quarter of football that the Browns had in their history and maybe the worst quarter no, of football was, that the Steelers have had. It was playoff history. That was, that was the first time a playoff team scored 28 points in the first quarter. You know, and don't get, and don't get me wrong, Pittsburgh fought. They fought. They just, it, it was only, <laughs> it wasn't 65 minutes. It wasn't 70 minutes. It was only a 60-minute football game. But I'm, I'm just talking about this is from the door. This is from the first snap, Mark. The physicality standpoint, Pittsburgh on defense didn't dominate. They didn't show it. Cleveland Browns on the offense, whether it was offense alignment or a running back, that's all that they displayed. You know, and Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, man, oh, he, he, he's, a, he's a brown. And what I mean by Cleveland Brown, he's a dog. Like he really is a he really is a dog. If you if you going if you going if you going into Cleveland, there's three people you got to stop. You got to stop the two dogs in the backfield, and as a wide receiver, you got to stop Jarvis Landry. And there's a reason why he's just a dog. He's been doing this since Miami, bro. He's been a long ranger since Miami. Every time he go to every time he go to a team, it's only one guy you got to stop, and you still can't stop him. I'm happy you mentioned Jarvis Ike. He's only missed one game in his NFL career, and that's because he was exposed to COVID-19. I don't think he even actually had it. 
and he played this season with a cracked rib and his production's been better on the back half of the season as he's gotten healthier. But it later in the game, and this was in the second half on a key conversion, the Steelers have Robert Spillane matched up against Jarvis Landry in the slot from a scheme standpoint. I, I don't know what was going on on that play because Robert Spillane has been awesome for the Steelers this year, filling in for an injured Devin Bush. This is not to take away anything from Robert Spillane. Jarvis Landry's a five-time Pro Bowl receiver. Why don't you have a defensive back lined up across from him? And I credit Baker Mayfield for taking advantage of that matchup of a linebacker lined up with your star receiver in the slot. I was like, what is going on? Sometimes you can outcoach yourself. I saw a few plays from the Pittsburgh Steelers defense when I was like, okay, what, what are we doing on the defensive side? The Mike Hilton play when Mike was lined up, when Jarvis Landry scored, when Mike lined up, Trey Edmonds got to sit in the middle. He's a whole player. It was man-to-man coverage. Mike had outside leverage because he thought the whole player was going to be there and Trey didn't make that tackle. And to match up a linebacker without doubling him, if I'm going to have Spillane on Jarvis Landry, I'm going to tell Spill, hey, Spill, make sure you take the inside away. You got help on the outside routes. But just, just to go one-on-one, Tom Brady going to take that all day. Big Ben going to take that all day. Even if you play Madden, if you play Madden and you motion a running back out or you motion a slide from left to right and you see a linebacker coming with you, that's where I'm going. So sometimes I think, man, you can try to out-scheme, out-coach yourself. But in that situation, man, I'd rather play a, a zone coverage. Let my linebackers at least have eyes on the quarterback, come downhill and make the tackle. Then for me to match up one-on-one with arguably one of the best, one of the slot corners, that's where the man make his money at. Landry make his money in Landry make his money at where Sharks and Piranhas at, inside. That's, that's where that man make his money. He ain't making it out on the island with, with us corners. That man, that <laughs> that man on the highway, Jarvis <laughs> Landry make his money on the highway. He played dodge cars, not dodge ball. He played dodge cars. <laughs> so if I'm baking that and I see that matchup, I'm taking that all day. I'm gonna tell if if I throw 10 picks between Jarvis Landry and linebacker, I'm gonna tell my coach, hey coach, don't you you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? And hopefully my coach can be like, yeah, if you see a linebacker matched up on Jarvis, I'll go to him 20 times out of 20. But, yeah, Baker played a good game, bro. No turnovers. That's what I'm saying. No turnovers. They finally got a coach who, you know, rolling them out the pocket, going under center a lot. They got two dogs in the backfield. You got Jarvis. Then you got Peoples Jones. He went to Michigan. You got a few. OBJ gone. We ain't even talking about OBJ been gone for a minute, so you can only imagine – you can only imagine, but now I think Baker now is his confidence. When I saw it wasn't this this one I saw. So before they played last night, I think it was, I think it was going on eight or nine days for the Pittsburgh Steelers the last time they played Cleveland, and we talked about this on the show. I said it was thirty six or thirty four. Baker Mayfield scrambled, and he knew he was going to get hit. That's when I knew. Okay. He understands the moment he's developed and he's going to get all the props from his sideline. That's going to be the first play 
the coach put up on Monday. This right here won us the game. I saw the same thing last night. I got the situation. I've got this in the notes. So it was third and six. The situation, this was in the second quarter. The Steelers had just scored their touchdown to cut the deficit 28 to seven. Third and six, you get off the field and the Steelers get the ball back, maybe score again before the end of halftime. Mayfield scrambles for a third and six, and he covered the ball with two hands because Minka and there was another Steelers defender there that knocked him out of bounds, but he covers the ball and secures it with two hands and gets the first down. That leads to Austin Hooper's touchdown reception later on that drive to put the Browns ahead 35 to seven. The Steelers did get a field goal before the end of the half, but I thought that third down conversion was also a key play. 100%. It was Minka and Edmonds. Them two guys on the side, them two guys on the Cleveland Browns sideline trying to make tackle. But that, that's when, it, when I, when I, that play stuck out to me that Baker, Baker understands this moment and how big this game is for the Pittsburgh. So they got tired of us talking about did a little brother. And that's all us, us media guys been saying, you know, I, I said, man, the Browns is the Browns, you know, everybody else like, man, you know, Cleveland is just a little brother to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nah, bro, for your head coach, to not even be on the sideline and to come in and to establish the physicality standpoint. I'm not talking about schematically. I'm talking about the physicality standpoint. That says a lot, but you saw, you saw who he had as assistant head coach. When you're the special teams coach, you know everybody from one to 53, you know what they can and can't do because coaches come to you on how you feel. And when I saw that at the beginning of the game, the special team coach from the Cleveland Browns, he was going to be the interim head coach for that game. I said, man, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing because as a special team coach, you know the history of every player because every player name come across your desk. Because if they're on the bubble, if they're on the bubble, Coach is coming to you like, okay, who's going to be the last four guys to make this roster? And the reason why is going to be because of special teams. That's the reason why. And special team coaches, they always have a, but did you know? So they know a little bit more. Did you know Baker, Baker Mayfield is a scratch golfer? You know what I'm saying? Did you know Nick Chubbs is a, a amateur chess player? Like they always have the, did you know, the trivia questions. That's what special team coaches know about all these players because all of them got to come through their desk. So can't give no number props. No, 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 number props to the Cleveland Browns, bro. They came in, they did what they had to do, man. Them boys came in, they did what they had to do. Ike, I'm going to defend you here because I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this isn't a rivalry. This isn't a rivalry. But the reason why you felt that way is because the Browns last made the playoffs in the 2002 season. That was the year before you got into the league. You played in 12 seasons for the Steelers. You made the Super Bowl three times. You won two. You played in the playoffs six times. You played the Bengals three times in one year in 2005 and the Ravens in 08 and 2010. That had never happened during your career, which was 12 years with the Browns. The Browns' last playoff win, we're not even talking Super Bowls or an AFC championship appearance. Their last playoff win, January 1st, 1995. And they had lost 17 consecutive games at Heinz Field. 
And last night marked the first road win in a playoff game for the Browns since December the 4th, 1969. So when you say they're not a rival, you say that with respect to the other teams in the division, which you've seen in the playoffs with everything on the line. And the Browns hadn't done that until last night, and it's a new era in Cleveland. You've got to be excited about the culture that Kevin Stefanski has established there. They have to be. And that was clearly evident last night with just how the Browns dominated the Steelers. In all honesty, I I don't think that the scoreboard fully encapsulated how dominant the Browns were over the Steelers last night. Yeah, it don't paint the picture. You know, that picture, if if you're looking at that scoreboard, that ain't really the picture. You know, that picture was painted well last night by the Cleveland Browns if you you got a chance to watch the game. You know, so Cleveland – you know, Cleveland came in. I think Ben, what Ben was like, twenty-three, two and one or something against the Cleveland Browns over the course of his career. Like Ben for for, for seven, man. His <laughs> him going against, I guess, the Browns of Cincinnati. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a little different when you want to talk about the Ravens. But but between the Browns and Cincinnati, you know, I wonder how many wins Ben got between those two. You know, that'd be a good trivia question. Trivia question. I'm sure it's going to be slightly above the, the the Ravens. And I'm thinking maybe three or four games or something like that. I could be mistaken. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. But, you know, the reason why I say the Cleveland Browns are, are, are not a rivalry, they, we never we never looked at them as to be a rivalry. Like, I never looked at Cleveland to be a rival game. I always looked at Baltimore to be the rival game. You know what I'm saying? And, and at the time, you know, just because there was in our division, there was a rival game. But outside – Outside of the Ravens, and we just wanted to talk about the AFC, it was Jacksonville at the time as well. You know, Jacksonville used to give us hell. Matter of fact, they came in and beat us for the playoff game when they had that three-headed monster between Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones, Drew, LeBron, and Tofield. I'm lying to Greg Jones. They had four of them boys. And they had a fire defense, you know, with B-Left sitting in the backfield shooting that thing like a shotgun, throwing that thing down in 99 yards. Like outside of, outside of Baltimore, then, then, then it was Jacksonville. Then after that, then, you know, you know, the Patriots just took over. They just took over the head, the whole AFC. That's just how it was for, for damn near 18, 20 years. But yeah, I, I, I never looked at Cleveland. I ain't, I ain't never look at no damn Cleveland. Like Cleveland, man, never. Like we, we, we kind of, it was like, damn, these boys, we got to play these people again. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to play them twice. I mean, yeah. that's, that's too that's too, that's too cool. That's four wins in our division we're looking at. That's how we look at And this is no disrespect. I'm just looking at when we played. We, we looked at four wins between Cincinnati and the Cleveland Browns. We looked at four. We got four. We got four. We got four wins in our schedule right now. And Ike, it's not like you had your average NFL career, which is only three or four years. You were in the league 12 years. So that's a pretty good sample size in the sense for why you feel that way. And because you lived it. And so like, that's why like when it's, it's almost the big brother, little brother analogy, but that's where I'm going to defend you there. Just because if you have a 12 year sample size, it's a pretty good run, a pretty good indication of what reality is. Yeah, I did a dozen. I did a whole egg card. In the league, I did a whole, I did a whole egg card. And if you, and if you want to talk about, you know, school, I did from kindergarten to twelfth grade. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, 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 
Cleveland was never, ever, ever, ever. But I was turning though. God Lee Marky Mark, the ties are turning, bro. And we, we y'all gotta stop paying attention to this Believe It's Still a podcast between Mark and I. We said the ties are gonna be turning in the AFC period because off of one position, the quarterback position. Young franchise quarterbacks other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. I don't know how many weeks we didn't say this. Pittsburgh gonna have to draft a successor, bro. Have to. It has they, they, to. They, they, they to keep up. To keep because these teams ain't doing nothing but getting better. You know, these these Cincinnati's these these and you seeing what Lamar do, he just scratched off. Like we say he couldn't win in the playoff. He scratched that off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. he ain't do no he ain't doing nothing but Justin Fields. If y'all know anything about Justin Fields starting from Ohio State when he when he lost and he threw picks in the last in the last playoff game, that it, it still hurt him to this day. Lamar Jackson just did the same thing. It still hurt Lamar when he lost against the Tennessee Titans last year. He still had that feeling. Then a disrespect of the Tennessee Titans when it took a picture on the emblem. He still had that, that feeling. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow. That's three young studs. Three young studs coming into one division, the FC North. By the way, out the four, Three of them made the playoffs. Pittsburgh made the playoffs. Baltimore made the playoffs. Cleveland made the playoffs. Ten and six. And ten and six, ten and six barely got you in the dough. So Pittsburgh got to make something. I, I know. I I know right now. Kevin Colbert and Coach T making executive executive decisions. Talks. I'm sorry. Not even decisions right now. Talks right now. They have to, Ike. They have to, I considering Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, both 24, Baker Mayfield's 25, Ben turns 39 in March, and he's in the final year of his contract next season, but he's due to make $41.5 million. So I think he might have some juice left. I would do almost what the Packers did in drafting a guy like Jordan Love, and maybe he sits under Big Ben and learns for – at least a portion of next season, depending on how the Steelers fare. But you have to, considering the youth movement at the position that the other teams have in the sense that both Mayfield and Jackson got it done yesterday. And we'll see how they stack up against their next, their divisional opponents because the Browns will have the Chiefs and then the Ravens are going to take on the Bills, two matchups I'm really excited to watch next weekend. Yeah, that's the game right now. I'm looking at the Bills <laughs> and the Ravens. This is the game where, where Lamar has to throw outside the numbers. He's going to have to throw outside the numbers because Coach is Leslie Frazier, the D.C. He's going to make sure. He's going to make sure. But Lamar, but the Ravens defense, man, let's not, please, let's not, let's not get it twisted. But they got some, they got some sons of a guns over there, boy. They got some ball players. They got some, the Ravens got some ball players over there. They schematically, they're good and very physical, very physical, you know, to hold Derrick Henry under 50 yards from a physical presence. I turn my TV up loud so I can hit the smacks. I like to hit. And that's all you heard coming from that game. You heard the physicality standpoint coming from the Baltimore Ravens. 
But yeah, bro, between the Ravens and Buffalo, that's gonna be a hell of a game. Between Cleveland and KC, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a better game than what people expect because it's just the confidence of Cleveland. And we get a head coach back. So time to tell them. Go ahead and say what you was about to say, Mark and Mark. There's just a few other things I want to get to as we start to wrap up here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. A trend I noticed from the weekend was the decision to punt the ball. And we've got to bring this up with Mike Tomlin's decision to punt the ball at the start of the fourth quarter at the Steelers 39 down 35 to 23. He had an entire quarter to go and it wasn't as egregious of a decision in my opinion as Titans coach Mike Vrabel, his decision to punt the ball at the Ravens 40 down 17 to 13 with 10.06 left in the fourth quarter. Both the Steelers and the Titans both lost in their decision to punt. I don't want to say one play causes a loss, but I really thought that in last night's Steelers game that the decision to punt as the tides were starting to turn, the momentum felt like it was going in the Steelers' way. Maybe I'm Monday morning quarterbacking here some, Ike, but I thought that that decision, I, on a fourth and one, if you can't convert, you don't deserve to win the game. That's been an issue, period. Their issue has become a run issue. Which, which they run a game, their running game wasn't bad last night. James Conner didn't do bad. For, as far as they did way more than what they usually do when it comes down to, to the running game. You don't have that present. And psychologically, I mean, you you gave it to your fullback, White, the first time y'all y'all got the third to one. Then you give it to him the second time y'all didn't get it. It's just not consistent on third and ones, fourth and ones, on establishing that presence on the line of scrimmage. So it kind of messes with you psychologically on do I or should I not? And, and this and this is just personal opinion, but you know, Coach T, he he's the one that make them executive decisions. You know, he's the one that made them decisions that we get to talk about depending on the loss or win. Me, I would have went for it. Take a note from what the Colts did in week 16. They brought Jacoby Brissett in for a play in relief of Phillip Rivers to take a snap under center to get the sneak. Or if you want to line up in the Wildcat, Josh Dobbs is on your roster, and he's pretty effective in Week 17 against the Browns. See what he can do in a short-yarded situation because Watt couldn't get it going when they gave him a few carries, and that was because they got the Steelers got dominated at the line of scrimmage. Taysom Hill, Sean Payton did the same thing. Yep. And it, for the New Orleans game, hey, get us get us a few yards, you know. So because the game was close. It, We'll talk about the Chicago game after we talk about the show, but you know, between the Chicago Bears and, and the and the New Orleans Saints, like that score doesn't represent how that game really went. You know what I'm saying? So uh but yeah, I, I would have went for it, me. Absolutely. And again, hindsight is 2020 there. Ike, the sense I got, I don't think it was Big Ben's last game. We'll see though. He'll have a decision to make again. He's got one more year on his contract, and that cap hit is forty one and a half million dollars. I think he comes back and runs this back one more time. But did you think we saw the last of Big Ben last night, or do you think he's coming back for the Steelers? No, seven back. Shoot, seven back. Seven ain't going to go down like that. Seven ain't going down. And, and they got a defense. It ain't like seven. It ain't like they asking seven to be Lamar as well. You know what I'm saying? Like seven, seven. What seven has to do, though, 
he got to shred a few pounds, bro. He got to he, he got to be able to move a, a little a little bit, and they got to establish the run. Yeah, there was a lot on his shoulders last to, night. That's, I, that's, I agree because 47 completions, 501 yards. He had the four touchdown passes, but also the four picks. There's so much that falls under his shoulders. And if he can't just turn the ball and hand the ball off, the Steelers only had 3.3 yards per carry last night. And so it's like, how many times is that just not going to cut it to where it's all on him for the offense to do anything? And I understand they didn't have the clock to work with. And if they would have tried to run the ball, they didn't have enough time. But it, there was there's way too much on Ben's shoulders. Throwing the ball 68 times in a game is not a recipe to win any kind of football game. You, you put yourself in that situation. So, y'all, I hope you show the pass is big. I hope you got some big shots because you put yourself – you you put your, you put us in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, seven put them boys in that situation, man. Yeah. You know, so it, it's seven <laughs> – you got to dig two holes. You can't, you, you can't just dig one. You know what I'm saying? And if you look at he the OG. So them young boys looking at seven, like, bro, we need your help. That, that's how they're looking at seven. You'd have been you'd have been a three. You'd have been the three Super Bowls. You won two. Big brother. Hey man, I need your help. I need you, I need you, I need you for this playoff game to show me the stage ain't too big. I need you for this playoff game to not not to make and throw for interceptions. This the this this the game I need you, seven. Like that's how I look at it. Like he the he the seven is the OG in that locker room. You know, seven dead seven damn that he, he can go for assistant coach over there. Yeah. Off of his age. Yeah. But that's how them young boys looking at him, man. Them young boys baby, wide eyed. You can see it from the side, man. They wide eyed looking at that man. Like, what's the next play? What what should I do? Can 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 you please talk to me? You know, so yeah, seven seven put seven put that on itself though. But just from from what I know, how I know Big Ben, just his competitive nature. And believe me, he's very competitive. This this ain't. This he don't he don't want to go out. He don't want to go out like that. Cause either if Cleveland or Baltimore win, he he not gonna he he's not gonna wanna that that ain't gonna sit well with him. You know, that that would not sit well with him. That game last night won't sit well with him, period. I'm sure he's going to go home, talk to his wife and his family. And I guarantee his mind already made up. Hey, baby, give me one more year. Baby, this my last, this my last. How I played last night, mom, give me one more year. Let, let me get this, let me get. So here comes Big Ben with a Justin Field and Lamar Jackson attitude. And his resume, Big Ben resume is better than all of them. Two-time Super Bowl champ is better than all of them, but just just for me personally, knowing Big Ben, he don't he don't want to go. I had to get that taste out of my mouth. Like when Demary Thomas gave me a nice little stiff arm in that playoff game, I said, "Oh man, I just swallowed a whole lot of poop." <laughs> I said, "Man, I gotta get it. I gotta get it. I gotta get the taste." Mark and Mark, I had to get that taste out of my mouth. Yeah. You just you you get you gotta get it if if you're competitive, man. The next day, Alfredo with Coach Shaw, Coach Shaw said, "Damn man, what the hell are you doing here?" I said, "Coach, this ain't going." And I sat there and watched every because it won't number reruns. 
I sat and watched every time it, every time I watched it, every time it came up on TV, I watched that thing. I was like, yeah. And for me, I was cool. I was thinking it, for, for me between that Tebow and the Mary Thomas play, it was one, I was hurt because I felt like I left my, I let my teammates down. Two, I was thinking on people saying and trying my mom and my four sisters. That's and Danielle, Ivan's mom and Ivan. Like that's 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 what I was thinking. Like, okay, if somebody get flipped at the mouth with them, I'm gonna have to take off on them. Like that's that 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 was my thoughts other than my teammates. Me as a person, I'm like, man, it hurt, but stuff happens. Coach LeBeau said the best. Sometimes you get the bell, sometimes the bell gets you. And the bell got me on that play. That didn't defy me as a that didn't define my career, thank God. You know what I'm saying? But seven, seven, I'm sure seven ain't tasting what he just chewed on, but he gonna have to. And that was the case for me. That's what I'm trying to get us. That was the case for me, man. I had to chew on a bad taste for a long time and we wind up playing them again during that season. And I wound up handling my business. Like I couldn't wait. As soon as I saw the schedule come out, I couldn't wait for that game. You know what I'm saying? But that, that has to be in you as a competitor. Now I see why guys, when guys get traded to other teams, they have a sour taste in their mouth. And when they play that team, they try to go off on that team. You know what I'm saying? So just, just, just for my thoughts, my personal opinion, knowing Big Ben, he don't, he, he asking his wife, baby, give me one. I, I, I got to get this taste up out my mouth. This is perspective you can only get on the Believe in Steelers podcast. I my hair stand my hair on my arm standing up right now. You got me <laughs> fired up. You got me fired up because that's not how he wants to go out. That's not how he wants to be remembered. Right. So fantastic insight, Ike. Fantastic insight. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Before we sign off here, I'm gonna run you through a list of unrestricted free agents for the Steelers. And if you could only choose to re-sign one, I want to know who you got. So I'm gonna run okay. through the list really quickly. Alejandro Villanueva, the offensive tackle, Bud Dupree, Cam Sutton, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Hilton, Tyson Alualu, Zach Banner. Who you got? Need Bud back. Because as, as good as T.J. Watt, <laughs> as good as T.J. Watt is, I see T.J. Watt like Bud as well. They're a good tandem. They play okay apart but they're a good tandem together you know so the at the outside linebacker position i need bud back because i'm a, when tj time come up i'm gonna sign tj tj gonna get 100 million but off of his injury we get to talk hey bud let's sit down let's sit down and talk but you know probably tag but the exclusive tag i might exclusive tag but in the offseason but I need Bud. I need Bud back. Out of everybody you just named, I need Bud back, and I need Bud back because I I see the relationship in tandem, and how the defense flows between when Bud and TJ is on the field. I see. I see schematically what we can do when when Devin Bush is out. I've seen that, but because we didn't know for him until Bud got hurt. You know, we talked about it early on during the season. But um, schematically, they, they they found ways to win the ball game. 
between the inside linebacker position. When Bud left, I saw the play of TJ, TJ White, and it really wasn't a play. It was more down where my homeboy at. You know what I'm saying? Kind of feel. Like it was more the presence of Bud being on the field. So yeah, I'm taking Bud all day, Mark and Mark. I'm I think that's Bud a good choice. I think that's a good choice, Ike. And the play I go back to from earlier in the year, it was the second or third week of the season when the Steelers were playing the Broncos. That hit that Bud Dupree had on Drew Locke causing a forced fumble just shows you the relentlessness and how he pairs in that tandem with TJ Watt. You get Devin Bush back healthy, and then the clear plan in the offseason would be upgrading the offensive line and finding Big Ben's successor, and I would do both of those things through the draft because in free agency, you're somewhere between 20 and $30 million over the cap, so the Steelers are going to have to get creative. The front office always is, but we're going to talk about all of that in future episodes, Ike, about what the offseason plan is, head of the draft, and I know that that's your wheelhouse, so... Look, even though that the Steelers are out of the playoffs, Ike, we're going to be rocking with the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcast throughout the NFL playoffs. And you still have two teams in the AFC North and the Ravens and the Browns continue on into the divisional round. And so, Ike, this is always so much fun. It's a tough Monday if you're a Steelers fan, but know that good times still are ahead for this franchise and be able to rebound the way that they did this season and make the playoffs for the first time in a few years. Overall, I think it was a pretty good season, but it unfortunately started dominance in the first half of the season and falling off in the second half. Maybe they can flip that around and do the opposite next season. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh will need to get a running back. Um, they got a running back. You got a running back from North Carolina. You got a running back. You got a running back from Buffalo in college right now. They, they got to get them a running back that fit their personality. Right now, Najee, I think Najee from Alabama fits their personality just right. I think I forgot my young stud from North Carolina, their running back, might be even a better fit for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh got a few things to think about, you know, and one of them is what we just talked about, who they won't sign. That's going to be first on the list in creating cap space. That's going to be on the list as well, high on the list. Y'all want to thank Online, Been rocking with us since day one. Manscaped, appreciate y'all coming to the family. Thanks for rocking with us. I want to thank my dog, Mark, for rocking with me. This has been an unbelievable ride. The ride ain't going to do nothing but get smoother. If you ask me, I think we had our rough patches. Um, and it really wasn't rough. It was just more figuring how and it was more figuring each other out. Um, we took off with that. So bet online, Manscaped, Marky Mark, believe in still the podcast. I want to thank all the viewers and the listeners, whether y'all like what we say or not, just for tuning in. Because obviously, we appreciate y'all insight on what y'all got to say from, from from comments and just tuning in on what we saying on this on this show. So uh, thanks for all the fans. You know, still wrapped up. This season took an L to the Cleveland Browns. Shout out to the Cleveland Browns for coming in and making a statement and, and getting their first playoff win in years, you know, over two decades. Shout out to Coach T from going 8-8 last year to going to 12-4 this year, getting the Steelers back in the playoff contention, every, even though, you know, our only goal is, is winning 
Lombardis came came a couple of games short of that, but shout out Coach T and Style. Shout out Coach Stefanski. You got to give credit when credit is due because he had some big injuries on, on his side of the ball. You know, when it came down to the Cleveland Browns and for dad not to be there, and I'm saying dad as the head coach, for dad not to be on the sideline and, and to win with uncle scenario I'm trying to give you. That shows a lot about how dad had put everything into place. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of them guys have, have their own personal goals, you know, what they want to do in football. But if you just listen to some of the things the announcers were saying last night, talking about Coach Stefanski, they love Coach Stefanski. And I'm sure they wanted to play with Coach Stefanski as well. They wanted to get this win for Coach Stefanski. So they can see him on the, on the sideline for the next playoff game. You always got to give credit when credit is due. So Pittsburgh had a good year, but you got you got a lot of props to the Cleveland Browns. And that, start, that starts off with Coach Stefanski and, and laying down the foundation. Ike, I appreciate you. And to any of the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcast, if you need some inspiration after last night's loss, check out Ike's Instagram feed, his Taylor Talks. They always get me fired up and it makes me feel like I need to be doing more with my life. So check that out on Ike's Instagram feed. And as always, I'll leave our social media information in today's show notes. But I'll go ahead and sign off here, Ike. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Go leave us a five-star review. We're a five-star show. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Take care. So long, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.